Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Now I know what you're thinking, things must be pretty desperate to get a 53-year-old bloke <laughs> with entire head of grey hair. But, um, you know, I just love Jesus. I've been walking with Jesus for 29 years. And um, there's a song comes to mind right now by Manfred Mann. That's from my era. <laughs> Blinded by the light. <laughs> You wouldn't know that, so don't worry about it. Hey, um, can I tell you a funny family story without cutting into my preach time? Is that all right? I'll stick to 25 minutes. You, you know, families are amazing, aren't they? You, you get together, you know, if you, as you grow older, you, you don't see your family as much. You know, my brother lives one end of the country. I live up the other end. And, um, but, you know, sometimes you, you tell stories, true stories of experience and life and and if I have any cheering up, I think about this story, right? And it, it'll probably set me off, so I'll, I'll just see how I go. <laughs> My brother was on a very short flight one day, very, very short aeroplane flight, and he was rather hungry, and as he was going to the departure gate, he stopped at a WH Smith's and he bought one of those prepackaged sandwiches, Right? And so the flight, I think, was about 40 minutes. And he's sitting there, and he has a, a, a quick drink, and he has one half of the sandwich, two halves in the box, yeah? He eats one half, and then they start clearing everything up, and he's thinking, well, I better not start on this half, or I'll be munching through it while the, you know, the plane's descending. So what he does is he looks into the pocket in front of him, and he gets a sick bag. Because I think it was prawn mayo and he didn't want it spilling everywhere. So he puts the prawn mayonnaise sandwich, uneaten, in the sick bag. The plane lands and he's got his sick bag, right? And he walks up to the front to get off the plane and the air stewardess goes, I'll take that for you, sir. And my brother said, <laughs> My brother said, No, I'm going to eat it later. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. If I'm ever having a bad day, I sometimes think of that. Right, my 25 minutes starts now. Oh, I forgot. My glasses, Kevin. Can't hear, can't see. Do you know, I'm amazed, you know, you come to churches, you do stuff and I'm amazed that even just the flow of the, the service or the meeting, you know, it just really confirms what God's put on your heart to give us a message. And I'm, I'm just, you know, we've been singing words about, you know, follow Jesus, no turning back and stuff like that. And I, I want to talk a little bit tonight about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, what, what, what does it really mean? And the introduction to my sermon or my message, um, this is my iPad, by the way. <laughs> I preached in my church the other week there my first message on an iPad 
And I guarantee it was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. So I don't care. Right, I want... This is rather long-winded, but let's just see if you can get the gist or the thing of where I'm going, right? This is from Luke's Gospel. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another guy, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And then I'm going to another place in Luke's gospel. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't tell lies, honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, are you still with me? It gets better. He said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you've got and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But... When he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. We're nearly there. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this is Mark's gospel, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther from there, not farther, further, (laughs) he (laughs) saw... He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and said, follow me. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. One more. This is a short one. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Do you know that if I was to put a title to this sermon tonight, I would call it God Wants Your Butt. <laughs> We've all got butts. We've got big butts, small butts, in between butts. We've got butts of every size. And God wants your butt. And your butt is what gets in the way sometimes of you following Jesus more intimately, more passionately. And we've all got them. We have all got them. Everyone's got a butt. Is that right? And, you know, I just want to try and explain this, you know, without being, you know, I don't know any Greek at all, right? But I love studying words. And there's this big Greek word that means what it is to follow Jesus. And it literally means to be on the same road with someone else. Literally to be on the same road following someone else. And it's interesting that Jesus gave the invitation to follow him to four guys, not not the disciples. He gave the invitation to four guys to follow him, but they all had butts. And their butts stopped them from actually engaging in the call to get on the same road as Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. Four guys that were given the direct... um, Invitation to follow Jesus Christ and there was something rose on the inside of them that said, but 
I can't really do it because of this or because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah? And you know, 78 times, 78 times in the New Testament, that word follow is used. And 77 of those times, it specifically speaks about following Jesus Christ. Do you know, I think the greatest challenge that you and I have in 21st century life is to eliminate stuff from our life that gets seriously in the way of becoming the people that God has called us to be. Do you know, I, I read the other day that... Um, that um, what did I read? <laughs> I read the other day how much time, screen time, you know, young people have spent today. And it was shocking. Well, to me it was. And now, I'm into my iPad. I'm into my iPod. I'm into my Apple iPhone. But you know what? Sometimes I switch the things off and I seriously just focus on God. And you know, God's not against you know, us having stuff. But I think he does get a little bit miffed when the stuff in our life gets in the way of us following Jesus more intimately and more accurately. When did I start, Kevin? I don't want to go over. Oh, someone help. (laughs) Right. Now, I want to give you some examples here, right? There was a lady, now believe it or not, this is just coincidental, right? There was a lady who was born in 1827 and died in 1906, and her name was Margaret Bottom. <laughs> it really is a bummer of a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Margaret Bottom. Now, Margaret Bottom was a phenomenal lady. She was an amazing lady. That true, that was her name. Margaret Bottom. And Margaret Bottom founded an organization in in America called the King's Daughters, Christian organization. And she amassed in her lifetime over half a million followers joined up to the King's Daughters to follow Jesus Christ. Pretty phenomenal, eh? And in the late 1890s, now I want you to think about this with me. In the late 1890s, no planes right. No, no, no getting on booking.com and booking where your accommodation is going to be, right? So this lady goes to the Far East, right? And she actually wrote a book called A Sunshine Trip um, Experiences in the Orient. And in this lady's book, she relates three different experiences that happened to her that she says radically changed her thinking as to what it was to follow Jesus, and I think what she came up with was pretty, pretty phenomenal. So let me, let me explain this to you. They get to where they're going. I think it was China. And they get to China, and they, the first thing they do is they hire a local guide, right? They hire a local guide. And they, they want to go to this other city, and it's several, train, it's several days' train journey away. Okay, so they meet the guide on the station the first day, and the guide says to this group of ladies, Margaret Bottom and her friends, the guide says, Give me, will you be good enough to give everything to me? I will take charge of everything. This was with regard to the luggage. The guide said, Will you give everything to me, and I will take charge of it? Right? And so the guide gathers all the big luggage, right? He gathers all the big suitcases, 
but the ladies hold on to the handbags, right? And the guy comes back and he says, did you not hear what I've said? You must give everything to me. They will be far safer with me and you will be far safer without them. Now you think about that. I I reckon that's what it really is to serve Jesus Christ is to give all our luggage to him. Not just the big stuff, but to give our little handbags to him or man bags in my case. (laughs) You know, not just to give the big bits, but to give the little bits to him because we will be far safer without them. Yes. And he will be far more in control if we give everything to him. Do you know, years ago when I was a um, fake hippie, do you still know, do you know what a hippie is? (laughs) That's interesting. Who knows what a hippie is? (laughs) That's amazing. Or as my kids say, that's amazeballs, dad. (laughs) And years ago when I was a hippie, or a tried to be one I went to Kathmandu in Nepal um, because they had no I won't go there right (laughs) and after trekking around Nepal and going to Everest base camp you know five weeks up this down there everywhere you know and um, I went shopping in Kathmandu and I bought this six foot long high whatever it is Um, tapestry that was woven by Tibetan monks right and the thing weighed a bundle it weighed a ton and so I'm stuffing it into my rucksack and I show up at Kathmandu airport and they say that will be 200 US dollars for extra baggage and I learned that day that there's a high price to pay for excess baggage and you know as we follow Jesus there is a high price to pay for excess baggage in our life do you know, we, we, we have got to give all of our butts, you know, all of our butts, all of them to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Margaret Bottom learnt that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. So did, did you kind of get that? Do you understand where I'm coming from? The guide met them on the station, said, give me all your luggage, not just the big stuff, the little stuff as well. And the guide said, they will be far safer with me and you will be far safer without them. So, um, they had to change trains on this two-day train journey to get to this other place. And they get off at one particular station and it's got, I think, three or four different platforms. And there's trains on each platform. And the ladies get on the other train, right? And they're sitting in the carriage waiting for the train to go. And the guide, who's taking care of their luggage, gets onto this train, right? And the guide said, will you be good enough to come out or get off this train? And the ladies came out of the train and asked, why? Why have you told us to get off the train? And the guide said... That is the wrong train. (laughs) And the guide said, Will you be kind enough not to go before me, but remain following me? Now, isn't that amazing? Because sometimes in life, we can board the wrong train. I nearly boarded a wrong train called the wrong relationship in the first year that I became a Christian. And I thank God for a loving pastor that drew me aside one day 
and said, I think she might be bad news, John. I mean, she was a looker. I mean, that side was just... <laughs> I was gone. Don't tell my wife that right now. <laughs> or it could be a bummer. <laughs> and this pastor took me aside and he said, look, I think she might be a bit of trouble. I think you should really seek God. And, you know, with hindsight, I was about to board the wrong train. And once I made the decision, like we went out a few times, and once I made the decision, no, this isn't right, I stopped it. And within six to eight months, this girl was out of the church, and within a year and a half, she was pregnant. See, see, God is really interested, not just really interested, God is passionate about you and I forming the correct relationships in our life. Because wrong relationships, wrong trains take us in the wrong direction. And someone mentioned that tonight. You know, think of it, think hard about me. You know, with me, that, that we've got to give Jesus all our luggage. And we've got to allow him to guide us by him going before us and you and I following him. We can't just presume that this is the right train. We can't just presume that this is the right relationship. We've got to follow Jesus intimately so that we hear his voice. Yeah? Man, you're, as they say in Australia, you're looking like a bunch of stunned mullets. <laughs> That's a fish, by the way. <laughs> oh, what vast knowledge he has. <laughs> oh, gee, kids are funny, aren't they? Oh, amazeballs. <laughs> They're just funny. They make me laugh. So the third thing here... Are you all right down there? The third thing here was... After two days, the ladies arrived at their destination. And several hours before they arrived at their destination, they started to wonder what provision if any, had been made for them on their arrival at this destination. Now, you think this is 1890s. And out of the blue, when they got to this final train station, a total stranger that spoke good English came up to them and said, there is no accommodation. There is no accommodation in this town. And the guide heard that, and the guide came up to the ladies right and he said everything has been prepared for you i have gone before you and i have prepared all the accommodation i have prepared all your meals and every single arrangement that you need for a comfortable stay in this town now the margaret bottom doesn't know who this stranger was but if you if you follow through with me i think that stranger in some way can represent the devil come into our life to get us to doubt the wisdom and the goodness and the love of God. So take those three things, what the guide said. He said, give everything to me. Follow me, but do not go before me. Trust me about the hidden things of the future. Do you know, I think someone else said tonight, God, God has got every single detail of your tomorrow planned. He really does. And if we could get to a place in our life out of our relationship, we would get to a place of rest in that truth. 
And resting in that truth would set us free from a lot of stuff. You know, because if we're honest, we, we fret, we get anxious, we get worried about tomorrow sometimes. Man, at 27, I was panicked I'd never get married. I was absolutely in fear. Why are you not laughing? <laughs> but it was a big deal to me. But I, I learned to trust. I learned to trust that God really is good. God really is good. There was an old, one of our old pastor friends used to say, God is good. He's much better than we thought. <laughs> and so just, just think, I'm nearly in the closing section here. <laughs> Can I just really ask you, what, what, without you yelling out, because I don't want to hear you, but. <laughs> it might shock me. <laughs> it might floor me. <laughs> but what would your butt be? What would your butt be? I mean, there's butts of every description, isn't there? They come in all shapes and sizes and they, they kind of they block our progress. They block our progress. Do you know, I, 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 one of my big butts, way, way back when I became a Christian, was I wanted to follow Jesus, but I wanted to hold on to my money. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, I wanted to go to church and I wanted to serve God. But my goodness, Jesus, you're telling me to give? And that was a major thing for me. Because I, I was a hard worker. Oh, well, I think I still am. And I had, I had money in the bank when I was like 18, 19, a few several thousand dollars. And... And I never forget being in a meeting one night and I, if ever I've heard the Holy Ghost, he said, I want you to write out a check for four figures. I was like, man. But that was my butt getting in the way. <laughs> but you know what? When I did it and when I obeyed and when I gave Jesus not just the big luggage but the little luggage, something broke in my life. So ask yourself, just, just think of a, a, a few more things with me here. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul spoke about a guy called Damas. And this is what he wrote about this guy. This is how history records this guy called Damas. We know nothing else about him, but this is what we do know. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Damas, my fellow worker, has deserted me, having loved this present world more than the things of God. And so Damas, he had major issues in his life. There was this constant pool of worldly things on his life. And it was blocking him. It was hindering him. It was opposing him from more accurately following Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't just want us to go to church 52 times a year and be nice. Do you know... 
I mean, that's good. But, you know, God wants you to have a major impact with your life. God doesn't want you to, and me to make a little splash. God wants to take your life and make a huge splash. And, you know, don't let, don't let any stranger, devil, come around your soul realm and say that you're insignificant. Or that your life won't add up. Or that your life will never make it. Do you know what? Because, you know, God is absolutely brilliant at making a good finish from a bad start. And, and if you're a little bit like me, sometimes we think like a victim rather than a victor. And we can think, well, you know, this happened in my life way back then and this and that and that. But you know what? Jesus can change anyone. Jesus is in the business of transformation. But in order for him to transform us from the inside out, we've got to give him our butt. Hattie, how long have I got left? Five minutes. Wow, I'm excited now. I've written down here, if time. So there is time. There's a guy in the Old Testament that had a butt. And his name was Naaman. And this is what happened in Naaman's life. The Bible says about Naaman that Naaman was a great man. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He had a serious condition called leprosy. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and anyway, <coughs> anyway, Naaman, Naaman gets this invitation to go to Elisha the prophet's house, right? To get healed of his leprosy, to get his butt removed. <laughs> he was a great man, but he was a leper. But I want you to follow through with me the actions and the inner attitudes of Naaman. Because sometimes they're in us. And Naaman was this great man. He was one of the most incredible military strategists. And here he is. And the Bible says that he got on his chariot and he just rocked up at the prophet's door. He didn't get off. He just stood on the chariot. Come on, lay it on me, prophet man. And Elisha, he didn't even go out the front door. He went to his servant in his house and he said, Look, go and tell the bloke out there on the chariot that if he wants to get healed of his leprosy, if he wants to get his butt removed, right? This is what he's got to do. He's got to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And do you know what Naaman's attitude to that was? His attitude was one of incredible anger. He was seething, steam coming out his ears. I mean, that's amazing to me. He gets the solution. He gets the word of healing. He gets what he needs to do in order for his flesh to come as a newborn baby. In other words, he gets God's remedy for his butt. But instead of doing what God says, he just goes away angry. 
And this is what he says. He says, why the Jordan River? Can I not go and wash in the river of Abana and the river called Farfar instead? And you see, that is our problem sometimes, is that we refuse God's remedy for the inner hurts and wounds of our life. And we we choose rather, I want to swim in this river called self-help. I want to swim in this river. I want to swim in every other river but the river of God. And, and, And we lose out because it's in the river of God that you get healed and made whole. See, people out there in the world, they think there's so many different rivers. There's, can I not swim in the river of Buddhism and be free from sin? Can I not swim in the river of New Age? Um, oh, the word escapes me. <laughs> there's a word. It's there. New Age. Oh, come on. Hey, that will do. New age philosophy. Can I not swim in all these different rivers and be cleansed from my sin? No. There's only one river that you and I need to swim in, and that's the river of God. And I'm telling you, I've been swimming in it for 29 years, and I wouldn't swap it for all the tea in China. <laughs> and I found this in my life, and this is, this is God's honest truth, that, that, that is... To the degree that I give God my butts is to the degree that I feel fulfilled, I feel success, I feel whole, I feel complete. Most of the time. (laughs) Occasionally I think I've lost my mind, but not really. Can you hear my heart for you? You know, please go from here tonight and, you know, even do this for me. Do this. When your wonderful, beautiful, handsome head hits your pillow tonight, just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, see that gray-haired man that spoke tonight? He was encouraging me to give you my butt. And just do it. Just do it. Just say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but here's my butt. Take it. Take it. This butt of resentment, this butt of unforgiveness and bad attitude towards my mom, towards my dad, towards my brother, towards my sister. This, this, this feeling that I have every now and then of worthlessness. Jesus, take my butt. Because I'll tell you this, that he'll take it. He'll take it from you if you're serious about giving it to him. Amen. Let's just stand up. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.